The following episode of the Man With The Plan podcast may contain strong language or content that is not suitable for all viewers and or listeners. Viewer and or listener discretion is advised. Coming up, we're taking a look back at an album that is near and dear to my heart. That album? I Be The Man by who? 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 Yours truly, Be The Man. The Man With The Plan starts now the man with the plan. what's up world it's yours truly be the man did you miss me today or a few days removed however you are listening to it november 30th 2019 we are a year removed today as i'm recording this marks a year to the exact day since i released my full-length music project i beat a man filled with 12 tracks Produced by Mad Bandit Doctor, my producer alias, this album covers a plethora of material that has been significant to my life, both past and present. In a rare moment for me, I'll be breaking down the process of how I got this album together and a track-by-track breakdown of what each song is all about. Some quick background information about my musical history so far. I started rapping in late 2004, about halfway through 7th grade. I heard some classmates of mine freestyling, Shouts out to Sharif, Major G, Ali Mo, and Rello. I heard those guys freestyling, and after a few times of hearing them, I decided I wanted to try it myself. That, along with the poetry component in my language arts class, big shouts out to Miss Constant, by the way, and the many weekends of planning with my stepbrothers, B. Allen and Jabri, I was set on pursuing music. Throughout high school, I was steadily improving. I wasn't quite where I am now, but... I was improving with each project I was putting out. Steadily improving, putting myself out there, whether directly or inadvertently. And I was finding ways to learn and continue learning about music. 2010 onward, the dedication to music grew more and more, just as my skills did. Whether it was my run with New Life from 2011 to 2015, or coming back to music with B. Allen, the love for creating music still blazes on in your boy. Let's dive into the background of I Beat a Man. Following the release of Introspective Journals in 2018, I knew it was time to work on something else much quicker and much sooner. Around this time is also when Jeff got on board with being my music manager. Between his input and my best friend Corey's input, I knew it was time to make that vision come to fruition of putting things out more frequently. Being back at MCTC in 2018 for the Sound Arts program, began to give me a lot of motivation and tools to go towards putting in towards more material, coming out with more material more often. The ideas were brewing for a new project, but I didn't have any ideas for a title yet. Yet. Around October or November of that year, my now ex-girlfriend and I watched the I, Tanya movie about Tanya Harding, and by night's end, the I, Be The Man title had been formed and inspired from that movie. I knew with a title in mind, I want to make it just as special as the other story-driven albums that came out around that time. Yeah, Big Sean's I Decided, Jay-Z's 444, Kendrick Lamar's Damn, and I want to make it stand out on par with ICP's Joker cards. So the idea was there, but the decision to make it a 12-track project produced solely by myself, that idea didn't come until 2019. Now, this next part... (laughs) 
you could call ironic, but the production work of I Beat a Man happened to come after my ex and I broke up in about mid-June, about four or five days after my birthday. So from about that point to October 2019, I put my hood up, turned on that mad band, The Doctor Switch, and I went to work. Went to work on all the beats. Once the beats were done and songs were written and assembled, I knew it was time to connect with a homie or two that has always pushed my greatest material out of me. Once the foundation was set, I also knew it was time to hit up my man, Mr. Alex. Little inside joke. Big shouts out to Alex Zaleski. Does most of my artwork. So big shouts out to him. I knew once it was time to lay that foundation down for this, I knew it was time to hit that man up, get the ball rolling on some artwork. Ah, I know something I forgot here. I was going to go a little bit more in depth about the symbolism, about the artwork. But I want to see what you guys come up with. What do you think the artwork of I Beat a Man represents? What do you think it exactly symbolizes? On your first look, what are your takeaways from the artwork of I Beat a Man? Let me know on the socials what you guys think. I'm interested to hear some opinions, hear what you guys think. Moving on to the recording. So, of course, I had to go back to the homies that always had me sounding right. Reached out to the homies, Monopole Joe and Sajak, and lined up some recording sessions at Chop Shop 2.0 in Richfield. For those who don't know, Monopole Joe and Sajak have had a hand in the majority of my music since meeting him in 2010. From Here's the Man, to the New Life stuff, to introspective journals, those two have had a pivotal part in the last decade of me finding my sound. So here I was, once again, at a point where I need to put my flag in the ground and stand on my own. Between September 2019 and November 19, I put away 11 tracks towards this album that had me feeling really, really confident. Now let us move on to the music and lyrics. The meaty, juicy stuff that I know you guys want to know. And if you're new to knowing about music from your boy, Beat a Man, you might learn a lot here. So, my mission with I Beat a Man was not only to make a statement that I can stand on my own musically, but to tell a story about my past, meaning my present, and how it shaped me. Something that is also symbolized in the fantastic artwork done by Alex. That's the one hint I'll give you guys about what it's supposed to represent, the artwork. The opening song, Alive, is a great example of this. When those intro lines kick in with me saying, I'd be easy like Uncle Ben on Sunday dinner, avoiding trash, opposite of Jerry Springer. I'm referring to my long-standing belief of generally being fine with what comes my way and doing my best to just stay out of unnecessary negativity and drama. However, I also acknowledge I was later in the song how I've had to bounce back from a time where I really wasn't fine with life. The lines, the lines that are kind of example of that are the following. Bounce back from 25 to 26, 17 to 19, real life experience. With those lines, I go into depth about how I had to readjust to really feel alive in my personal life. Going from 25 to 26 age-wise and... 2017 to 2019 year wise it was it was pretty tough kind of going off script with my notes here um around that time i had tried a brief stint 
at wrestling commentary. I had went to the academy here in Minneapolis, uh, led by Ken Anderson and Sean Devare. Used to wrestle in WWE, TNA. Uh, I went there for a brief time. Um, it wasn't working out as well as I thought. Um, things with the U of M were not going as I thought. I think mentally I wasn't ready to make the leap from community college at MCTC during the first run and then jumping to the U of M. I don't think I was ready with really either facets of my life. And I had a lot of self-doubt around that time. Um, you'll kind of hear that in songs like Beauty and the Struggle, Evolution to an extent, few times here on this album. But when I say 2017 to 2019 real life experience, it's definitely alluding to that early 2017, early mid 2017, where there was just a lot of doubt on where I want to go with things in my personal life, music. So when I say I put it into music, guys, I, I really do put it into the music. As the second verse speaks on, I feel the most rejuvenated when I'm able to be Beta Man. That is, as long as people spell it, say it, and stylize it correctly. That is, capital B, capital D, little a, sound it out like Will of Fortune will Pat say, capital M, little a, and little n. Just if you needed a reminder. Another thing many people may not realize about this album is that it's meant to be listened to like a story. Again, I was inspired by a lot of story-driven albums around that time, and my intent was to make it impossible to listen to it out of order. But I have an exclusive gem for you guys listening to the podcast. I don't believe I've revealed this to anybody. If I have, it's maybe like two or three people who know. Being inspired by Kendrick Lamar's Damn album, I placed a similar method in this album that I even noted in both versions of Gone. And if you listen to the song, you might miss it. Here's the exact bar that gives the hint. I will never, ever, ever be the same again. Run it in reverse and you'll find a different frame. The story gets flipped, but the message be clearer. R.I.P. to your hero who is bitter. If you're interested... Try flipping the track listing order of I Beat a Man. Start with War and go in reverse, ending with Alive. See if you catch anything new or anything different in the story. See if it sets in your mind a little bit differently. Another reason why you can't simply listen to this out of order is because surrounding songs have similar topics that either make the last song make sense or it continues on in the story of what shaped me. It moves in a way that almost requires you to hear the previous song. I'm going to give you guys a little cheat code, if you will, to the grouping of the songs in I Beat a Man. So the first two tracks on this album are Alive and Cool Cut Chillin'. Both of these songs have common themes of how I've maneuvered throughout my own expectations and outside influence. At that point in my life, I had a lot of searching to do, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. I had a lot of searching to really do in terms of where I wanted to go versus where I was. 
cool cut chillin', while her phrase sounds nonsensical, it was actually originated from a song off of my Here's the Man project called Just Chillin', featuring the mad scientist Monopole Joe. Back then, I was just looking for a way to mesh the phrases, chillin' in a cut, and chillin' out, maxin', relaxin' all cool from Fresh Prince. I took from both phrases, making my own saying of how well I'm chillin'. So, let's break it down a little bit. Cool, that speaks for itself. Cut, whatever spot you're relaxing in. Home, work, a homie's house, wherever. And chillin', which also speaks for itself. So if you start using cool cut chillin', or hear anyone else using it, you tell them that Be The Man started it first. Or if you hear my manager Jeff use it, or the dog Corey or the big bro B. Allen or one of the new life guys, they obviously know your boy started it. But if you hear anyone outside of common friends and acquaintances and siblings of mine use it, just uh, just ask them if, if they got it from your boy. If they didn't, let them know they got it from your boy anyway. So, moving on to the next three songs. Will Smith, People, and the story of the lone wolf. Those three are the next set of songs that group together. Now, I can't continue on without talking about the origin of the song Will Smith. Prior to the main story that actually influenced a bulk of this song, I recall Bills from New Life back in the day, often quoting a famous Eminem lyric and trying to take aim at my style back then. He was using verse 2 of The Real Slim Shady, where Eminem says, Will Smith don't gotta cuss in his raps to sell records. Well, I do, so fuck him and fuck you too. You guys have no clue how many times I had to hear that bullshit. Clear passive-aggressive shot from Bills about my style. Don't ask me why he does that. I don't know. Fast forward to about 2017 and 2018, my best friend Corey with no passive aggression in what he said. Shouts out to him for not being passive aggressive. That's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother time. Uh, he would simply say Will Smith when referring to my cleaner style. But the big difference here was knowing that, one, it was all in fun from Corey. All in fun, all love. And two, again, knowing that there wasn't any passive-aggressive hate behind it, no hate whatsoever, and I give him all the props in the world for letting that be known. I did know this, though. Just as I do with many things, I've got to eventually address it in the music. So Will Smith is for the ones who put my rap style in this box of only old school, only party rap, only uh-huh-huh-huh, you know, ones who claim I sound like Run DMC or LL or any old artist they just found out about from their parents or their cousin or some bullshit. Ironically, it's one of Corey's favorite songs on this album. That wouldn't be the only involvement he'd have on the album, but we'll touch on that later. While Will Smith talks about the perception people have of me and my rap style, People points the mirror back at those same people and me eyeing everyone from afar. I generally am known to be more introverted, not often saying a whole lot unless I'm spoken to, something I'm still trying to work on. 
but I definitely make observations about all I see and hear. People places all of that into a song. The story of the lone wolf takes a grittier spin on perception of people and their perception of me and expectations, talking about the things that fuel me to take my own individualistic path. The next three set of songs, Repost, Distance Kills, and Time Flies. These three songs are probably the most personal songs of mine to date, and also why they're in the same group of songs. Repost, you may be asking yourself, be the man, what does repost mean? Y'all who know my government name, y'all be like, hey, what the hell does repost mean? The definition of repost is as follows. A quick, clever reply to an insult or criticism. In fencing, a repost is an offensive action with the intent of hitting one's opponent, made by the fencer who have just parried an attack. In military usage, a repost is a strategic device of hitting a vulnerable point of the enemy, thereby forcing him or her to abandon his or her own attack. My song repost is just that. Response to the criticism and all of the words I was hearing from 2015, 2016 to about 2018. Originally, the first and fourth verse in this song was 132 bar verse. I think the only person at that point who heard that verse was B. Allen, and even he was shocked back then. For song purposes, I decided to split the verse up and insert two other verses from a similar topic-based song intended to be called Do Not Disturb. It's going to be on a different beat and all that. Let me put it in perspective how hard I wanted this song to resonate. I flipped the starting line of one of the greatest diss songs in hip-hop history. What might that be, you ask? If you've listened to the album, you know. But for the ones who haven't, assuming most who are listening to this haven't, the line that I flipped was from Tupac's Hit Em Up, for those who aren't aware. Listening to the song, and even thinking about it, it takes me back to a rare time in my life where I just wasn't having it with anybody. I, It was really at a point, 2016, 2017, when I was going through those struggles. It was really at a point where I was just like, yo, fuck everybody. And that's what this song really was just about. Just fuck everybody. The most direct song on this album. And I was just, fuck everybody. This song is for... Anybody and everybody it applies to. If you think the shoe fits, it probably did during that time. Some people it might still fit to some degree, but that's that's how it was. While some bars and songs had subliminal shots of people I've known or still know, again, Repose is the most direct song on this album. It's admittedly a song with a lot of pent-up feelings. Distance Kills picks up where Repose leaves off taking aim at those who I've known to be distant, even when I personally do all I can to reach out. Now, the third verse of this one is funny considering how things panned out with the person that the third verse is about. The only other person who knows who this specific verse is about is, again, my dog, Corey. Him and I laugh about it to this day. I think we laughed about it maybe a month ago. In short, it's about a former friend, acquaintance of ours, 
in the verse still fits to this day. To this day. Time flies. This is the next song. It moves on to the hallway of life and times of my life. From the days of young Beta in a single parent home that I'm recording this in right now. If you listen close, you might be able to hear the background of my mama watching TV. Shouts out to my mama. By the time I record this and get it out, it will be just a few days before her birthday. So if you're on the socials or if you're listening to this, feel free to send in some birthday shout outs to my lovely mama. Without her, I'd be a heartless man. Getting back on track here. Time flies again. Hallway. It's like those TV shows where you kind of have that vision of time. You see memories to the left, to the right in this hallway. So again, single parent home, memories of that throughout the years, to a long-standing crush I had from about 6th, 7th grade up until 2012. Real ones already know about that. Uh, to my nephews and niece getting older, all the way up to working on a better relationship with my dad. The hook of this one takes a spin on the legendary Janet Jackson's Funny How Time Flies When You're Having Fun. Now, if I was a bolder man, I would have sampled that song directly. I think the original beat I had even sampled it, but I wasn't trying to get caught up in in any of that trouble sampling Janet Jackson. Have Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis knocking on my door. Oh, no. (laughs) But it worked out real well with what I used. For you sample hounds out there, I'm sure you'll be able to pick out what it is. All I'll say is that it's something I've been wanting to use as early as 2015, and I'm really glad I got to use it. The final three songs could be looked at as their own grouping of songs or completely individualistic. We're talking Gone, Yesterday's Thrill, and War is Too Late. The subject matter of Gone was actually directly influenced by the big bro B. Allen. Back when Gone was going to be on a later project of mine, B. Allen said it should be about the things in my life that are now gone. Essentially, the things I want to leave in the past. Coincidentally enough, I got B. Allen on the intro of this song to set the vibe off. Set it off right. We'll dive into that soon enough. This song was one I had two visions for. The alternate slash bonus version of Gone, which will be on streaming services very soon. By the time you hear this, it might already be on streaming services. The alternate bonus version of Gone was actually supposed to be the original version I was planning on since 2016. However, even in 2016, I knew I needed something to give this song a boost. So I had to hit up the the, the homie, had to hit up Treble. Have him play some guitar, and we are off to the races. Fun fact about this song, about Gone, the rock version, the opening guitar chord. If you notice, if you listen to it after this podcast, the opening chord of Gone is the theme song jingle for this very podcast. Yes, sir. It's not a big coincidence. It kind of is what it kind of isn't. Next song, Yesterday's Thrill. 
I'd like to view this in the same vein as my song Beauty in a Struggle. Almost very parallel, I want to say the songs might have been written around the same time. Not 100% sure, but I feel like it would make a lot of sense. Actually thinking about it, I think Yesterday's Thrill was written later in that year. As many of the songs on this album, this song was first inspired by an entry I did for the D.I.E. Rap Challenge. D.I.E. stands for Do It Every Day, which is something we can definitely dive into in a future episode. Harkening to the past in my life, I use this song to adjust the moments in my life that have challenged my natural fire in life. Whether it was family influences, friend influences, or influence from either of my ex-girlfriends, the one I dated 2013, or the more recent one I dated, you know, 2017 to June of 2019, whenever that was. Whether it was any of those influences, there were either moments I had with all of those aforementioned people that pushed me to step up or moments with them that knocked me up my ass. While the thrill could have been gone forever due to whatever factors, this song is symbolic in showing that the former thrill is now the new thrill. So when I say yesterday's thrill is tomorrow's new drive, yesterday's thrill is to strive to survive. That's what that means, is that I'm using the failures in the past to drive me to, one, not make the same mistakes again, and two, to just use it as new fire, the strive to survive. Essentially getting back to where I once was, yet having new knowledge behind it all to tackle everything. And finally, war, it's too late. This was actually the only song that wasn't mostly written in the state of Minnesota. During my October 2019 visit to see Corey and his parents in the lovely Southwest Florida, I wrote the first verse of this song while Corey was at work. So, picture this. Me, writing the first verse on my phone, in a rocking chair, while Manny, my favorite cat, Cool little cat, cool little guy, little black cat. Always loves when I come down. Little guy wanted some attention. So I'm literally having this instrumental on repeat, falling on my lap. Uh, I believe I was talking with Corey's mom, Diane, briefly for a few times during that. Having the phone on my lap, Manny's kind of putzing around, petting him in between ideas for bars. All before wrestling comes on. Yes, even in Florida, your boy gets some wrestling in. Corey can vouch for me there. Speaking of my man Corey, there are even specific references to a few things that Corey and I watched during that visit. For example, the stacking ammo like Nick Cage in Lord of War. That line came from us watching... The Lord of War movie starring one Nick Cage during the visit. And another line, which I hope you guys enjoyed as much as Corey and I did. The line where I say, why they got your balls in the Dixie cup? That line came from an episode of Dr. Phil around that time where Dr. Phil asks this man 
why his wife has his balls in a Dixie cup. I think when we caught it during one of the last visits, they, they bleached the balls line out, but we just died laughing. We were like, oh my God, I came back up. That's so great. So the hook of this song was complete later that night by like five or six in the morning. I think it was after we had called it a night, had one in the room. I had some ideas going. I didn't go to bed till the hook was done. It was about five or six in the morning, you know, so four or five o'clock here in Minnesota. So I was, you know, it kind of threw me off time wise. But hey, I was happy that thing got done. I felt accomplished. Anyway, my ultimate premise with this song was to declare war on all whack MCs, whether that was here in Minneapolis or whatever city you live in. My goal with this one was to talk my shit and call out all the whackness I've heard for far too long and still hearing for far too long. You know, I'll definitely put on war. Again, I stand by all the lyrics I said in there. I thought all my favorite diss songs throughout all time and bought it up in the war. You know, I want to end with a bang. I felt like, especially around that time, I didn't like what I was seeing here in the scene. To an extent, I still don't like what I'm seeing here in the scene. If you've read about some of those things, you know. If you don't know, maybe we'll talk about that in a future podcast. We'll see. Let me know if you want me to dive into that. Anyway, moving on to collaboration. Now, for this album, I want to stay true to keeping it without any features, without any rap features. I was intent on showing how hard I could really stand on my own. Be real for you guys. I've always felt like I've needed to prove myself when it comes to my music. I'm sure you're asking, why? Well, oh, excuse me. Well, I'll tell you guys why. I Ever since middle school when I started, I wasn't necessarily the best rapper. I sucked. Like, I'll tell you guys that now. Like, I fucking sucked. I was trash. I won't lie. But again, I had that fire in me to still keep going, still going at it. You know, I had people giving me props, giving me fake props, actually showing love. You know, I had it all in between from middle school to, you know, senior year of high school. To an extent, I know I still get it from high school people, but I'm not really worried about that. You know, I graduated 10 years ago. I'm not really worried about that. But I've always felt like I need to prove myself because I've always been kind of compared to other people in the scene, whether that was in high school, whether that was post high school. I was always kind of getting compared to people or not feeling like I got the proper shine. So I felt like with this album especially, I want to stand on my own. I want to be like, hey, I'm here. I've been improving. I'm still improving. I got the fucking bars to prove it. And being being in a few groups throughout the years, you know, I always felt like I was kind of one of many and not really getting my proper shine. Like I loved my time in the in the groups I was in, you know, Bloodshot slash Plan B, 
which with some of those same people kind of morphed into new life, you know, and then, you know, that really wasn't a thing anymore in the mid 2010s and then kind of doing the SOS thing with B. Allen. I just felt like I was always kind of in these groups and I felt, and I thought to myself, I'm like, damn, like I'm in these groups. Can these, can, can people really think I can go on my own? Like, so, you know, I want to step out, become the lone wolf. That's why you guys see on my social media, hashtag the lone wolf. Like, I'm at this new point where, you know, if you're trying to rock with me, cool. If not, you're going to get left in the dust. Like, hobble along or get on the train now. So, in short, you know, I just wanted to show I could stand on my own finally. Like, I've been rapping since middle school. I want to show that I can actually do this thing, and do it on my own. Just a brief little rant for you guys. So, when October rolled around, and the recording process came around, I want to incorporate the people closest to me in a very subtle way that didn't necessarily involve any guest verses. I also want everyone to be authentic as possible in these skits. You know, some of these people I've known for a while, some are more recent, as you'll kind of hear me break down. But I wanted everyone to be their authentic selves as I know them to be because they have been a part of I Be The Man whether, you know, you were almost 20 years deep like B. Allen or eight years deep like Corey or, you know, only a year or two deep like Jeff and J.C. Serene. I wanted these people to be the authentic selves that they've been around me. So, the following people who collaborated with me on this album are as follows. J.C. Serene with an intro. Sajak with a contribution with one beat. Jeff Louis Peck. Big Bro B. Allen. Marty Lang, a.k.a. Treble. And my dog, Corey Pulling. The homie J.C. Serene, who was in the Sound Arch program with me at MCTC, he always used to say, B, wake your punk ass up. You know, trying to trying to sound like Sway and shit. Usually on the days where I actually was legit tired, funny enough, he'd end up saying, come on, B, wake your punk ass up. And I'm like, man, I'm trying, I'm trying. Even uh, even when we weren't in the Sound Arch program together, um, that last semester I had at MCTC, he'd even, you know, if I ran into him in the hallway, he'd be like, Wake your punk ass up, B. And I'm like, you know, good, man. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm out here. So uh, if you watch the video again for a live, you'll actually see further proof of this. You'll see a little text from JC Serene himself that actually says that same thing. So for me, it was a given that I needed him saying that on a song and a live seemed perfect for that. You know, telling me to wake my punk ass up and then getting back at it. I felt like it was appropriate. And two, I give him credit in the liner notes for this. Um, I usually post those on Instagram a day or two after releasing it. And, you know, I give him all the credit in the world, especially around that time. Me getting back into school, pursuing, pursuing sound arts, pursuing something I loved and having that fuel to prove it to myself that I've still got that fire that I did 
you know, 10 years ago when I first started at MCTC during that first run, you know, that still had that same fire. And, you know, big shouts out to Jordan, man. JC Serene, big shouts out to him, man, because that dude, that's a motivated dude. I think a few of you guys listening might know, might know Jordan personally, JC Serene, but he definitely, he definitely took me where I needed to be motivation wise. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine tackling most of the Sound Arch program without him because he definitely helped me out and kind of kept me, kept me just as motivated as I needed to be. And then some. So big shouts out to him. The soul beat that my man Sajak contributes to on this album is a lot of people's favorite, Cool Cut Chillin'. This specific beat is one I actually heard when I came to Chop Shop 2.0 before a New Life meeting. Man, I tell y'all, I heard Sajak play it. I was chilling, minding my business. I heard the intro of that beat. Oh my God, guys, I tell you, I hit that stank face. If you're if you're watching this on the socials, I hit the stank face like, ooh, it's a Spice Adams like, ooh. If you if you if you guys know the song, you'll you'll probably get a sense of why I hit that exact reaction, but. I knew I wanted to rap on that. So after some months passed by, Paul Joe told me that Say Jack wanted me to bless the beat. So I was hyped. It was definitely a beat I wanted myself when I first heard it. And thankfully, Paul Joe and Say Jack let me bless the beat. So big shouts out to y'all because it's a favorite song among many people. So thank you guys. I appreciate y'all letting me bless the beat. So uh, this next person, when I thought to incorporate him on the album, I knew I wanted to take a different approach. This man's goofy. I usually clown him. He usually clowns me. I feel like I'm a big brother to this guy. When I thought to incorporate Jeff, a.k.a. Louie, on this album, I knew I wanted to take an approach like Eminem did with Paul Rosenberg. Sprinkling in the manager skits where it made sense. It was also recorded and written by Jeff in the same day at Chop Shop 2.0. You can hear Jeff's skits at the end of Cool Cut Chillin', the beginning and end of Will Smith, and the outro of War is Too Late. As the album was wrapping up, I knew there was no way I could have it complete without my road dog, my big bro, my negro for life, B. Allen. The same person who gave me the topic for Gone helped me shape it. He introduced the track. The intro gave me chills when I heard him record it. And it still gives me chills. And then after Gone, I asked myself, where else could I put the put the big bro in? The decision was made. I believe it was the same week as he recorded it. Maybe a few days before he actually recorded it. I decided to throw B. Allen in on the Bridges of War. So when you hear that, it's the Declaration of War and the other bridge after that first hook. That's that's who you hear right there. That's the that's the big bro. That's B. Allen. I figured, who, who else better to build on some bridges than your big brother figure for almost 20 years? Who else? It was a given for me. So long-standing collaborations 
are usually on a bucket list of mine. You know, there are, are still a long list of people I definitely want to collaborate with. But this next person, it was it was a long time coming. Getting this person on my album, this next person was no different. Marty Lang, a.k.a. Treble. Him and I had been wanting to collab since about August 2014 when we met. Prior to me saying this, <laughs> only one person knew the actual story on how I met Treble. When I say actual, you guys will will know that as I kind of approach the end of this portion. So the actual story <laughs> on how I met Treble, it's, it's funny in hindsight, but I was embarrassed back then. So following my breakup with my first ex in May 2014, I was trying to move past it the best way I could. And August 14, might have been closer to September, <laughs> I foolishly tried an actual matchmaking service, coincidentally just blocks away from my former job in Edina, which I found out obviously two years later and it freaked me out. Uh, I met Treble as he was the photographer for this matchmaking service that I had foolishly signed up for. Right away, I knew he was cool though, like right away. I'm talking Keanu Reeves meets Keith Urban meets cool-ass Canadian, which he totally is a cool-ass Canadian. To get me comfortable and in photo shoot mode, he pulled up some Jay-Z for me. To get me looking naturally cool for the photos he was taking of me for this matchmaking service. He asked me about myself a bit, and I mentioned I did music. He pulled up some of my music and played it, and he dug it a lot. We had a common love for music. As he mentioned, he played guitar, and he was in a band or two. So this dream collab was literally five years in the making. Out the gate, Marty, he saw my raw potential. He found, here's the man dope. He's been supporting me since then. You know, here's a man. He peeped this a trap. And so the man has been nothing but supportive ever since. He met he met a young, young, desperate beater trying to get out here, get back in the field. Man's been rocking with me since. Much love to Marty. So Marty, aka Treble, he is the dope individual you hear playing guitar on Gone slash the intro jingle for this here podcast. And war is too late. So I guess I guess you could say the real match was made in a dope homie who respects my music and is willing to throw down some guitar and tracks for me. Definitely wasn't what I expected, but you know, I'll take it. The even bigger irony is here's the here's the lie we were gonna go with if we got asked about how we actually knew each other. And it's ironic once I break it down to you guys. So we were always going to say, like, we knew each other through a family friend. That was, I think, around the time when we did the, when B. Allen and I did the Triple Rock show four years ago. That was kind of the thing we were going to go with. But, funny enough, earlier this year, I actually found out that Treble does photography for my cousin Marcus's real estate company. So, technically, a family friend. A cousin does actually know Marty Trouble. So it's kind of funny how that worked out. It's it's a small world, y'all, and even in smaller state, depending on what state you live in. 
And of course, last but not least, the Bubba Ray Dudley to my Devon Dudley. There's a wrestling reference for y'all. My dog, Corey Pulling. Just as the big bro B. Allen influenced Gone, Corey influenced War is too late in a major way. From putting me on to dope music such as ICP, Whoop Whoop, Cottonmouth Kings, Esham, Mastermind, TNT, the list goes on, guys. It's so, so many more, so many more. To always encouraging me to say it with your chest. Man's always has mad ideas for me. So much more. The grittier side of my music was starting to be explored more and more from the stuff he was introducing me to. After a recent binge around that time of West Side Connection's first album, West Side, I knew I want Corey to talk some shit on the intro of this final song. I felt it was only right. My man's is one of the best shit talkers out here. That's a whole nother thing for a whole nother time. So for the intro of this one, Corey sent me a few voice recordings of his intro that he did through his iPhone. We picked the best one, and the intro was officially locked in. I give Corey all the props in the world. You know, I let him know I wanted him to be involved. He wrote something out uh, on like a yellow notepad, I believe. He wrote it out. He practiced it a few times. He was practicing it, sent me some tries, sent me some takes. And again, I give him props, man. Like, it was a first for him. And, you know, he he kept diving into it. He kept doing some takes. And then he started to sound like the Corey that I know and love. And I was like, all right, man, we gonna, we're going to go off this one. Lo and behold, Monopole Joe and Sajak sprinkled that magic. And it sounded awesome. Sounded like the Corey I know and love. He did the damn thing on that intro. If y'all ain't heard that intro for war, please, please go listen to it. Well-spoken words from my dog, one of the people who, who are closest to me in my life. He, he did his thing. So next, I wanted to relay some personal statements from a few of the people involved in this lovely, lovely album that is just so near and dear to my heart. So starting off with Mr. Alex, Alex Zaleski, Beast with the Artwork. A man of few words, Alex, he had this to say. I like it. I'm not really sure what else to say. 1010, would art again. I was like, alright, you know, that, that that works, man. I ain't I ain't gonna <laughs> I ain't gonna make you say more. So Alex, he kept it brief and short for his personal statement. But I do know that he was very, very proud of me to drop it on Spotify. He was very proud to see it. Actually have something to be on Spotify again. So I know that man was happy for me. And if I don't say it enough, Alex, if you're listening, thank you for all that you do, man, for the artwork. I appreciate you. The next personal statement is from, again, my dog, who one day you will hear on this podcast in multiple parts. My dog, Corey. That one of the best personal statements to contribute. Some words from my dog, Corey. And I quote, The most important thing is to mention that 
the people who truly know you, and the record that it's your breakout. It's your Carnival of Carnage. ICP's Carnival of Carnage debut album, First Joker's Card. Also, the production on the record is absolutely top of the line to me. Some of my favorite qualities are that it follows perfect flow with the beat, it's hard where it needs to be, and chilling other tracks, but never soft. It was truly your breakout release and is the start of your true legacy as you have grown through educating yourself with school and at home and with homies, and I also believe listening to albums you would never listen to contributed to your creativity, which he is absolutely right, by the way. Uh, he also adds, over the last couple years, I've really laid it on you as you have I, and we discovered some shit together. Also, my intro for War, the way it was recorded in one take over an old iPhone is fucking gangster. It's going to be your cult classic, and I liken it to your first Joker's card. It leaves you wanting more, yet satisfied, with a straight punch to your fucking ear holes of dope-ass lyrics over a dope beat, totally original, and produced at an A-level. My brother Corey, I thank you for the kind words again. I know I told you in text when you sent that to me. I appreciate your words, brother. You know you have one of the biggest impacts in the newer newer developments of my music. And for that, I appreciate you, my brother. The next personal statement comes from one Jeff Peck, a.k.a. Louie. Jeff says, and I quote, It was a pleasure working on the project and lending my Jewish voice to clever improv sketches created by both me and Beatman. I will say I, I do gotta correct Jeff there. That was he it was it was his words, man. I just I just gave Jeff direction and he did his thing, man. And we'll get the we'll get the more shout-outs here very shortly. But Jeff was also very influential with pushing me to stay on schedule and getting the album done. So Mr. Louie, I thank you, sir. Next personal statement we've got is from the cool-ass Canadian, my homie, Marty Lang, a.k.a. Trouble. His personal statement reads, and I quote, I can't believe it's already been a year since the release of I, Beat a Man. I think Beat a Man and I met around 2013 or so, and he's just an inspiring guy to know. I mean, he's always working on something new, always great ideas, always super positive, always looking ahead. And I just love that about him. When I recorded the guitar tracks are gone, he was just like, yeah, man, do whatever you want on this one. I said, all right, here we go. And sent him back some super heavy, bluesy guitar sounds. And it worked out great. On the War, It's Too Late track, Beat a Man had a really cool idea for a peanut butter conspiracy influenced vibe, which was, of course, right in my wheelhouse. Oh, excuse me. And I couldn't be happier with how that track turned out. That's my favorite song that we've collaborated on together so far, but I'd have to say my favorite song on the album is Cool Cut Chillin'. So I feel like this is the perfect segue to shoutouts real quick. Much of my shoutouts I covered in the liner notes for this album, which you can find somewhere on my Instagram, as well as the Bandcamp download of I Beat a Man. But real quick, I'd just like to give some final shout-outs to those involved with the album. Starting off top, shouts out to Monopojo and Sajak. Y'all did the thing with mixing and mastering for this one. 
I appreciate you guys so, so much helping me with another dope project, dope album. I appreciate you guys a lot. So, so much. Couldn't have done it without you guys. Shouts out to the big bro, B. Allen. Thinking of him during this time right now. You know, he 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 always inspires me with little ideas here and there. He always inspires me. You know, he contributed to Gone, did his thing, contributed to War. I appreciate you a lot, big bro. We're going to link up real soon. Big shouts out to the to the brother, to my white brother from another mother in Southwest Florida holding it down, Corey. All the inspiration you throw my way. All the tips. Keeping the constant communication with your brother. Reminding me not to settle for the bullshit. I thank you. Big shouts out to the homie JC Serene. Contributing for a live. Appreciate you. Big shouts out to... I didn't say Jeff yet. Big shouts out to, to Jeff, a.k.a. Louie. Did some dope-ass videos for this album. Hopefully we can do some more. For this album, anyway. Big shouts out to you for helping me stay on top of things. Big shouts out to, to Alex. Mr. Alex. The artwork, man. It's still so dope. It's still so dope. I appreciate you a lot. And big shouts out to the treble. Man's kilted on the guitar. You know, it's always been a good homie to me. Big shouts out to treble. Rest of the shout outs. You can find in greater detail, once again, in the liner notes for I Beat a Man on Bandcamp or on my Instagram somewhere. As always, I'd like to take you guys out with some wise words of wisdom. This time, I took some wise words of wisdom from, you guessed it, my dog, Corey Pulley. He actually said this to me on Thanksgiving night, I believe, or Black Friday, one of the two. His wise words of wisdom reads as follows. Try to love people more than you ever have. Let go of as much hate as you can. And keep what matters in check from day to day. Never go to bed angry, is what I say. Very wise words from my dog, Corey Pulley. As always, that does it for your boy, Be the Man of the Man with the Plan podcast. Hopefully there will not be as big a delay between episodes. I hope to come at you guys with plenty more episodes here. Gonna get back on the saddle with music. And back in the saddle with this here podcast. Y'all know the way this year's been. It's been rough. But I guarantee you, we're going to keep it moving. As always. As always. That does it for me, y'all. This is your man with the plan. Always and forever. Be the man. Signing out. The man with the plan. Nothing more, nothing less.